Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke show. I'm Luke. Wolf, what you doing over there? Well, you know what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to actually adjust the microphone uh, and not having much success. No, it doesn't look like it. Every I now and then. I wanted to bring that to light. I've never seen anybody do to that thing what you just did. <laughs> right. Okay, great. There you go. <laughs> and we're off. You know, there were a lot of guys who actually said that out in the field as well. <laughs> Well, look, I'm going to I'm going to steal your line. Thursday, most productive day of the week, right? <laughs> Why do you say that, Luke? Why is it productive? Well, I don't know what your typical reasoning is, but let's get uh let's get productive because you've got Sean Payton in town today. Well, that's big, right? Sean Payton is here in the basin. What up, Sean? How you doing, bro? I assume he's here. He's meeting with them. I guess he can yeah. do it over Zoom, but I think he's here. Yeah. Yeah, I would so, think so. Okay. So you got that. And we're going to get into that a lot because I think regardless of how that interview goes, this is the turning point, right? There's not anything, well, we got to wait to talk to so-and-so. Like, no, this is it. Like, now decisions start to get made either later today or after today. Is it a situation right now? I want to know who that anvil is, metaphorically speaking, based on names. I want to know who that is. Is Sean Payton the anvil in which Kyler Murray will be shaped upon going forward? Is that it? Because that's the way that I see this head coach hire for the Arizona Cardinals. I really do. Whoever it may be, whether it's Dan Quinn, Vance Joseph, whether whether it's Brian Flores or Sean Payton or Frank Reich, who knows what happens. I want to know who that coach is going to be because that coach is going to be the anvil in which Kyler Murray's career is going to be shaped on. Time's running out on you uh, being right that we're going to have an answer before 1.57 p.m. tomorrow, too. It was 1.57, was it not? Right at the very end of the show tomorrow. It was my guess. Uh, I could be dead wrong on this, but I think, yeah, I think we're going to get some clarity on where the Arizona Cardinals are going to go before we go off the air tomorrow. What a momentous day. I mean, we're in the the, the red zone now, we're like, at any moment, we sure, could get some sort of clarity. Sure, we're just calling it ourselves, but that's pretty momentous right yeah. there. No, it's uh, we're definitely in that spot. And Where's then, oh, your by the bold way, prediction, Luke? My bold prediction is how about the Suns go out there and just handle Dallas tonight? Is that a good bold prediction? Man, that is. Do you think that's going to happen? Uh, <laughs> you know, know. It sounded good when you said it. The Suns go out and just handle the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks have been struggling, have they not? Basin only it's three and five in their last eight games and one and five in their last six. Well, it doesn't matter if Dallas is good or not. We saw that in the playoffs last year. They seem to have the Suns number. But so then would the logical step be okay, the Suns are better than Dallas at full strength and they keep losing to them. So maybe when the Suns aren't at full strength, they'll beat Dallas? I mean, what am I supposed to believe at this point? Either way, Luca also here. Yeah, Luca Doncic in town right now. Um, how do you feel about Luca Doncic? When you hear the name Luca Doncic, command and control reacted immediately to that. 
A thumbs down. <laughs> it's especially bad for me because his first name I didn't is... I know Caesar was in town. Is, ...is very close to my first name. So, like, it would be nice if his name was, like, I don't know, Wolfa or something. But the fact that it's Luca, i got to live with this for his entire career. And it seems like it's going to be a pretty Wolfa. good, good, successful career. So, not, not the world's biggest uh, Luca fan. It's not even really as much a knock on him as it's this rewriting history, if you're a Mavericks fan, of, oh, this Mavericks have owned yeah. the Suns for years. No, actually, it lost like 11 in a row before whatever happened last year happened. Yeah, you know, honestly, stop flopping. That's all I'm going to say right now. Stop flopping and then laughing about your flop and the fact that you got the guy. And you smile at him and you laugh and you grin at him and you're like, ha, ha, ha. Got, you know what? No, forget about the soccer mentality. We here in America don't embrace that. Am I saying uh, Devin Booker never embellishes getting hacked sometimes? Yeah, okay, he will. But he's not a guy who's going to try to trick everybody and takes a lot of pride in that. He isn't. He's not. It's, it's the smiling at the end. It's the laughing. Like, it's the that, laughing. That's what it is. If, if, you, if you just embarrass somebody with a dunk or a crossover or a pass or whatever, you just hit a three over somebody and you just keep hitting threes and you want to laugh in their face, I'm all for that. I think that's part of sports. I know some people consider that poor sportsmanship, whatever. I think it's fine. But it's, it's when you just kind of are like, ah, I, just, I need to be fouled. I'm just going to flop and then I'm going to laugh about it. It's yeah. like, that and was kind of embarrassing for everybody. Maybe you should just kind of walk away and take your free throws. See, and the worst thing to me, Luke, is when you actually you go you go about your business and you're kind of faking it and you embellish it and you flop and suddenly you don't get the call. And you knew you were embellishing. You knew you were flopping. You knew you were doing what you were doing and you don't get the call. And now all of a sudden you're all over the referees because of it. That's Luca. I I can't stand that. It's the flop and then not getting the call. I see, I'm still Did trying you to see get the past. way I flopped on this? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you think anybody you flopped didn't, like that? Exactly right. You didn't give me the call? I, I Listen, here, here's the one thing. As a professional athlete, Basinonians, the only thing you want from your opponent is his best. That That is all that you want. Give me your best. I'm going to give you my best. I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to flop it. I'm not going to try to massage it. I'm going to give you, when I compete against you, you're going to get my absolute best, Basinonians. You're going to get it. And all I ask is that you give me yours. Yeah, there's an element of, and Luke is not the only guy in the history of the NBA that has flopped, oh. but he's here and he's perfecting it this year. There's an element of flopping this and then whining year. to the ref. Well, he's, yeah, that's true. Uh, there's an element of flopping and then whining to the ref of like when you're kids and you're playing sports or whatever, the guy that just always runs and tells on everybody to his parents. That's what it, that's, that's, that's the element, right? That's, that's it. It's, it, it. And it's not the just, a, it's not, hey, something went seriously wrong and I gotta go tell my parents. It's every five minutes. Hey, by the way, Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Look at look look what he's doing. Look at this. Look at that. Like that's what it is. That's the kid at recess that was constantly going trying to get people in trouble. That is basically the adult version of it of flopping every time down the court. The thing with Luca is he doesn't need to. He could still put up fifty exactly without doing it. Right. So it's like a whole different Mad level. Mad exactly. Ding 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 ding. That's the thing that really bothers me. He's too good for that, Luca. I I used to really like Luka Doncic. I did when he first came into the league. What a talent. And it just seems with the more the more credibility he has received for his greatness, the more he expects calls and the more he flops. 
and it drives me nuts. Well, I got news for and, you. And seriously, if anyone's comparing Devin Booker out there in the Twitterverse to Doncic and how much Doncic flops, they it's are. not even close. It's definitely out there. You should check oh, out the Oh, no, I know it is. And it's, and it's just flat out wrong. Not even close. That said, how many times do you think he flops tonight? How many free throws do you think he gets? Because now you have the you have Luca, who's a, just a free throw machine 17. against the Suns. Who? I was, I was thinking, if I set the over under at sixteen and a half, would you go over Are or you under? Serious? Yeah, it's not, and I was just looking to get a wow. feel for. This is how many he's like. This is how he closed out just December randomly. Okay, this were this his attempts in a game, not Dallas's attempts, just Luca's attempts. Remember, the Suns usually attempt like eight. Yeah. 12, 16, 22, 12, 15, 22, what? 11, 15, 21. Yeah. 22, tw- 20, 20 or more three times in that oh like seven game stretch. Come on, man. Come on, man. So get okay. ready to see him at the free throw. Get ready, line. yeah, absolutely. But also get ready to see him like he's capable of dropping what he sixty and twenty one. He dropped on the Knicks. I, mean, I know it's the Knicks, but he's, still, he's a great player, Luca. You're too good for that, bro. Too good for that, man. I don't Give think me your best. He's not going to change. Much Let of that be does. enough. Uh, that head is that is trouble enough. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park February 25th and 26th. So it's like a month from today. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win those tickets. All right, when we come back, let's get into football. Sean Payton is meeting with the Cardinals today. So are we going to get an end to this coaching search like today, tomorrow? Seems like it's close. It's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Sean Payton. Update. 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 All right, Wolf. Today is the day. Not saying we're going to have a coaching decision made today, but I feel like the buildup stops today and now decisions start to be made. I don't, I don't think that Sean Payton is the sort of candidate you have to interview twice, right? You're going to interview him today. You're going to talk to him. You're going to see, you know, if, if this is your guy, if, if his terms are realistic to you, if this is the direction you want to go in. I, I can't imagine the Cardinals are going to finish this and be like, okay, now we have four more guys we got to bring in to interview. I feel like after today, the information gathering phase is Pretty much over. Yeah, this is a huge day right here for the Arizona Cardinals. I have long believed that they wanted to talk to Sean Payton last. Again, that could be dead wrong, and we'll see as this whole coaching search unfolds before our very eyes. But I think Sean Payton would be the guy in which you would judge everybody else in which you had interviewed. That doesn't mean that Sean Payton is going to be your next head coach. It just means maybe he's the one guy you really wanted to compare everybody else to. So it makes sense maybe to talk to him last. And maybe he doesn't get out of the building. And maybe that's why the Denver Broncos went ahead and delayed their Wednesday night meeting with Sean Payton because knowing he was going to actually go to Arizona and interview, which I believe he is, here in the basin, now you can see that maybe Denver wanted to delay that to bring him up so they would be the last team. Waiting on Peyton? I was a ball boy for this team. Or Sean is gone. I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Peyton. 
So that brings us to today, right? Well, for the, we can't do waiting on Aiden or Pay DA anymore, so now we have waiting on Peyton, and that's really all you need. <laughs> waiting on Peyton? That is all. Oh, that's well done right there, Command and Control. Yeah, Maloney turned that around in like 15 minutes. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, what do you think happens with this now? I don't know. I really do not know. I do believe that, again, this is going to be a momentous day right here. And I would expect that the coaching search would move quickly after today. I think. I mean, by this evening. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it right now feels like everybody's waiting on Sean Payton. And they are specifically at this point. That means you are waiting on the Arizona Cardinals interview with Sean Payton. I don't know why Denver hasn't hired him if they want him to be their guy. Maybe Sean Payton's like, hold on, I want to talk to the Cardinals, too. I want to talk to everybody, make this decision. You have this wrinkle, too. Peter King on with Bickley and Murata this morning. The talk has been, oh, he's going to want $20 million a year. He might even want $25 million a year. Peter King said, how about like $15 million? There's about five coaches, what I'm told, in the NFL right now who are making an average of $15 million or more. To come back, Payton, I would think, is going to need to be in that league, uh, you know, and in the upper echelon of that league. And that is going to scare a few teams away. I'm not sure that Michael Bidwill wants to play in that league. Yeah, talking about that $15 million and yeah. up somewhere in there. That's one of the reasons why the $20 million that was thrown out there, the $25 million, 25 I heard as high as crazy. $25 million. Sean Payton's a good coach. He's not sure. the best coach in the NFL. Yeah. Let's not get crazy here. Right. Not only that, though, I think a lot of that was before... Um, a lot of that was before we knew that it was just going to be for a coach. I, I think a lot of people assume that if he's the general manager and he's the head coach, it's yeah. going to be twenty twenty five million. The last thing that Peter King said there, I'm not sure Michael Bidwell is going to want to play in that league where he's going to have to pay that much. Sure. Um, I'm sure there's some truth to that. I don't know how many owners are really going to want to pay a coach that much, but they're interviewing him. So they're at least intrigued enough to talk to him and be like, I mean, the simple fact that you're interviewing him, yeah. I don't think you're interviewing him to be like, hey, it sounds like you want like 15, 16, 17 million. What if we gave you a four? It's like, is this guy going to say something that we walk out of this meeting like we have to give him 15 or 16 million dollars? Right. We can't let this guy go somewhere else. Right. I mean, think back to how frustrating this entire past season was. And to the point where Michael Bidwell is willing to pay a GM and a coach that aren't here, and he's going to have to pay a new GM that's already here and a, and a new coach, whoever it is. It's, yeah. it's, not like, it's not like if you get Dan Quinn, he's going to come in for $17 an hour. I, I don't know that that's the only reason they wouldn't hire him. You know what I mean? So we're at the point now where if they hire Dan Quinn, if they hire Brian Flores, I, I'm, I'm still going to be, I think that's a good hire. But Sean Payton, let's make no mistake here, he's the headliner and he's here today. Yeah, in my smithing example that I'm using here with the anvil, of course, you know, many times the anvil is is a useful tool to actually produce something that is more valuable. And that's why, once again, I will compare Sean Payton as the anvil-type coach that you're going to throw everybody else up against and actually see what you come out with after it's done being produced. Blacksmithing, ladies and gentlemen, 101. Sometimes you can actually produce a sword. 
uh, an iron sword, a steel sword that is more valuable than the anvil itself. And maybe that's what the Arizona Cardinals are going to discover here, Luke. Maybe that's it because of Sean Payton. And then they can move quickly after that. To me, having this interview is a win because you're going to talk to Sean Payton for however long you talk to him. And inevitably, questions about Kyler Murray are going to come up. Questions about what was what was wrong with our offense last year, Sean. You were watching everybody with your job with Fox, right? So what, what, what could we? What would you do? What would you do with this offense? Now, if Sean Payton tells you this is what I would do, and you end up not hiring Sean Payton, and you end up hiring Brian Flores or Dan Quinn, they may not be able to do what Sean Payton would do, but at least no matter what happens, once you've interviewed him, you're going to get that bit of knowledge that is not the same sure. as him sitting on TV or talking to Colin Cowherd and I don't want to say dumbing it down, but just not going very deep because that stuff doesn't always work on TV or radio. But when he's sitting there talking to Monty Austin for it, I'm guessing they're going to want actual real-life football answers, and they're going to... That's not him proving that he's a good coach. We already know that. But even if you don't hire him, you now have that knowledge. This is one of the best perspectives we could possibly get on how to fix Kyler Murray. Do we need him to do it, or do we go in a different direction? But at least you're going to get a part of the blueprint to potentially do it today. Yeah, you know, and again, though, Luke, just playing off what you said right there, um, just because you've got the plan of implementation doesn't mean that's going to work. Can Can you actually... Do it. But it didn't even feel like they had the full plan last year. It really didn't. You know, uh, I, I'm i sure Cliff would disagree with that. I'm sure Cliff thought he had a plan. A plan, yeah. But just by virtue of there was a plan in place, I'm not even saying the plan was faulty because obviously the year before it worked, but there was a plan in place and then it stopped working. So just by the simple fact that this is now the second guy to come along with a plan, he can look and say, this is where it was failing. And oh, by the way, this guy has had a pretty good career in the NFL doing that, doing exactly that. I I know. And again, it's okay. You came up with this plan. This is a beautiful plan right here. Um, I wonder what... Brian Flores' plan was. Because it's all part of the plan. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly, I love where you're going on that command and control. And the reason being is because it is a little creepy. It is a little nefarious. It is a plan. What is your plan? Vance Joseph. I took your little plan and I turned it on itself. What is your plan for Kyler Murray and fixing Kyler Murray? What is your plan, Brian Flores? Because it's all part of the plan. Because it's all ball bearings. Okay, um, name the movie. No, don't Fletch. do that. Okay. Oh, Look at that. Just, he didn't think awful. I would know an 80s movie, and I knew Okay, it. there it is. But you get my idea on this, Basinonians. It's not just about the plan. You've got to be able to pull the thing off. It's got to work. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's Isn't Mike that Tyson. right, Mike Dyson? You're I'm starting to right get now. all your references you are, today. You're it's just all over it. But that, to me, is the difference. And it's going to be really interesting because this is this is what I'm talking about in regard to the anvil that shapes everything else. And sometimes what you shape is more valuable. Maybe you're, you're listening to Sean Payton's plan for Kyla Murray and for the organization and for the team. And you say, man, that wasn't as good as Brian Flores. <laughs> exactly. Right? You might. You might. Honestly, Sean Payton, I would assume his plan for Kyler Murray is going to be better than anybody else you've talked to. But the rest of the team I, might not be. I, I, 
Why? Why is that necessarily the case? I would because say he's the an X's offensive-minded coach? I, you would hope Sean Payton would have a better answer for how to, X's and O's wise, offensive, like scheming things up, you would hope that he has a better solution for Kyler Murray than Brian Flores does. Now, Brian Flores might be a better fit, ultimately, because yeah. Kyler may listen to him. They may be able to structure the team differently. But I would hope Sean Payton, with what he has accomplished, is one of the best people, available or not available, that could come in and give you insight on your quarterback. Yeah, but it's one thing... Again, to teach somebody, you got to reach somebody before you can teach somebody. Well, and that might be Brian How are Flores. you going to reach him to teach him? Either way, we're still waiting on Peyton. Waiting on Peyton? <laughs> we've, we've graduated from waiting on Aiton to waiting on Peyton. Although we're kind of still waiting Sweet. on Aiton, too. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Matt Ishbia is going to be introduced as the Suns' new owner the day before the NBA trade deadline. So what does that mean for the Suns this season? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, they're cutting it close, the NBA. Trade deadline is two weeks from today, Wolf. So maybe you're right about this Thursday being the most productive day of the week. That's what the NBA trade deadline is. Sean Payton comes to town. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, tomorrow is Friday. We all know what that means. That's right not now gonna we're going to be, gonna be jacked yeah. up right there. Why not be productive the day before that? It makes perfect sense. Well, uh, news came out yesterday after our show that Matt Ishbia is going to be introduced as the as the Suns' new owner on February eighth. Okay, what did you think when you heard those, that news? Uh, what that, did you think? This is what I thought. James Jones, you have about 24 hours to <laughs> make some trades. <laughs> Get them all lined up before February 8th. I'm assuming at this point, with it being this close, if James Jones has something that he wants to do on February 5th or whatever, that they're going to be able to figure out a way to do it. But it's just funny that the timing is, okay, February 9th is the trade deadline, and there was all this hand-wringing of, are you going to be able to make a trade? All the Brian Windhorst stories of, well, they actually have three different people that have to sign off on a trade right now instead of a normal team only has to have one? Yeah. Well, now you're going to have an owner, it sounds like, the day before the trade deadline. So here you go. the day before the trade deadline, they're going to introduce Matty Ish, Matt Ishby, of course, as their new owner. That's what you're saying. That's what I've been told. That's what everybody's been told. This is not like me breaking some story. Okay, do you think that's coincidence? (laughs) No. The day before the trade deadline. No, and you know what? Honestly, I, I give the league credit. I don't. I'm not an attorney, believe it or not, so I don't know how all these things, like all the little legalities of you got to you know cross the T's and dot the I's and all that stuff when you're selling a $4 billion business yeah. with the Suns and the Mercury. I don't know all the ins and outs of that, and honestly, I'm kind of glad I don't, but I, I credit the NBA if they did speed this up at all or at least make it a focus because the, the Phoenix Suns team and fans yes. should not be punished because they're switching owners midseason. If if this wasn't going to get done till like late April, they might not have been able to make any real trades. Yes, you know this this feels fast tracked to me, based on means it does because I believe it is fast tracked. Adam Silver and the league, I think it had to be. I, I think it has to be fast tracked. And why would that be though? Why would you think they want to get that in? Is it is it just for appearances that hey they could have made a deal they could have made a deal he was in I I don't think so 
I think maybe there's probably going to be um, a an announcement, maybe on the same day. That's just a guess. Oh, of a trade? That's just a guess that is happening. I, I You have to believe right now, are you telling me he has no say over what could actually happen for a trade or not? That he isn't the one guy? You're getting, you're getting ready to introduce this guy. We're inside of two weeks now, this window. You're, he, he can't. Give a yay or nay on a trade? That, that's I, think, I find that impossible. I think now with this news that this is going to happen in less than two weeks, he must be the overriding vote on any of this stuff, right? I mean, it was a little bit different a month ago when it was like, yeah, HP is going to be the owner, but we don't know when. That's not official. It might not be till May or something. I get at that point. I mean, I didn't really understand at the time if it's going to be his money beyond this year anyway, why he doesn't have the final say. But now to your point, being this close, if somebody came to James Jones today and they're like, hey, we actually really like Jay Crowder and we're going to give you this and this. Yeah. Or, you know, how about how about we get a little crazy and we trade you somebody else and you throw in Crowder and a bunch of picks and this is a big trade. I don't think he's going to be like, well, I can't make the trade because we don't have an owner yet. Right. Because now you, you do. It's just not official yet. Yes. I, I just I have a hard time believing that. And if you're a lawyer right now that deals with a lot of sports and you're you're into that. Go ahead and text me right now, please. If, if but you, do it only in emojis, right? Explain no, law never in emojis. emojis. So, okay. Do not do that right. ever right now. And you also have to wonder this, Mason Onions. Could Robert Sarver turn it into a slow boil instead of fast-tracking all this? Could there be something, the, the T's are crossed and the I's dotted suddenly where a wrench could be thrown into this. It kind of feels like February 8th. If he was going to do that, he would have already done it, right? Doesn't it kind of seem like, like I think there's a press conference scheduled for the 8th. Yeah, no there is. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I I mean is that really how you want to go out? <laughs> like, I, I'm just I, saying, was there a little scorn? It, it, could he be scorned a little bit? And could he actually want to, I don't know, go out with a bang? Well, here's the thing. As of I February 8th, if you're a Suns fan, you don't have to care what Robert Sarver does as of February 8th, which is, I know, music to the ears of a lot of Suns fans for the last... 10 years. Now, James Jones was on with uh, Burns and Gambo yesterday, and it's certainly fair to wonder how this news impacts James, James Jones. Uh, he talked about it. I expect so. I mean, I think it'll be be final. Um, until that point in time, um, we'll continue to try to figure that part out, but definitely looking forward to it. You know, my conversations with Matt um, have been fleeting, um, but overall, I know that he's excited about being a part of this and, and, and pushing us in another direction, so uh, I'm excited. I know our fan base and players can't wait for that day. Yeah, he followed that up. None of those conversations. Our conversations have been just more macro level. Um, what we want the Suns to continue to stand for and be, and uh, you know, just continue to, to, to do the job, uh, focusing on trying to win a title. What are your thoughts on that, Luke? I mean, I can't help but think about that that report out there yesterday and and the conversation it spurred of with with uh, Golden State's GM potentially being available, and then the report was, hey, the Suns, Knicks, Clippers, and one other team are, are monitoring the situation closely. I think it would be ridiculous to get rid of James Jones anytime soon, and I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period, I would say more so for him than Monty Williams. Got a new owner. New owner's the boss of everybody, right? So the yeah. new owner's going to want to do things 
even if he agrees with how you think, he's probably going to have a different philosophy when he walks in that door. So how long does it take the owner and the GM to mesh on certain things? I would assume they're going to be able to do it. But, I mean, that's a shakeup at the very top. So when you shake up a, a major business at the very top, there's a lot of adjusting and kind of everybody getting on the same page again. Will you play that first cut that you actually played of James Jones talking about Matt Ishbia? Yes. I expect so. I mean, I think it'll be be final. Um, and until that point in time, um, we'll continue to try to figure that part out. But definitely looking forward to it. You know, my conversations with Matt um, have been fleeting. Um, but overall, I know that he's excited about being a part of this and, and, and pushing us in another direction. So uh, I'm excited. I know our fan base and players can't wait for that day. Yeah, it just seems like that's a little obscure, that, that comment right there in regard to his um, his activity with Matt Ishbia. It seems a little uh, vague. It was definitely vague. Very vague. Maybe it has to be vague? Because yeah. the sale's not See, done? This is what I, yeah, this is what I don't know. Again, if you're a lawyer. But you're not a lawyer in, either. I know. Oh, it's going to get difficult. If you're a lawyer out there and you're listening right now, please uh, go ahead and hit me up. At me, will you please at Wolf 98.7 FM. Um, it, it's just, it seems so vague for you to be the general manager and this new owner is going to come in and there's going to be changes. We know that. There's going to be changes. Changes to the culture, to the front office, to the personnel. There's going to be changes. What what are they? Just how much does that include your general manager? I don't know, but I do know that if you're a new owner and you're coming in, you have to evaluate what is, and you have to also think of where you're going. And you know that Matt Eshbia has got that plan and has had it for weeks. Nickelback is heading out on the Get Rolling Tour, coming to the Footprint Center on July 12th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, championship weekend is fast approaching. Which game do you like more, the NFC or the AFC? We'll get into some of the details around these ones. Should be two pretty good games this weekend. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hi, Wolf. Good news for you. Really, it doesn't impact you at all. Okay. The Super Bowl lines are already set. Now, you might ask yourself, well, they haven't even played the conference championship games. But no. I'm just looking at my email right now. The uh, Chiefs, if they played the Eagles, Philadelphia would be favored by one and a half. Wow. If Cincinnati, actually, it looks like the Eagles would be favored by one and a half over either AFC team. And then if the 49ers get there, it's pick them. Wow. So there you go. No matter who they play. It's amazing because you really, really liked the Philadelphia Eagles at the start of the season. Remember that? Yeah. You really, really liked that. And I liked him as well, except for Jalen Hurts. Was not sure. And, you know, this is a prove-it league, Basinonians. It is. And I think that's the way it should be, and that's the way it's always going to be. Go out and prove it, especially as physical as the game is. Go out and prove you can actually do it. And Jalen Hurts, although he showed flashes last year, certainly um, did not expect Jalen Hurts to have the kind of season that he's had this year to play at the kind of level he has played at coming off of the year before. 
But he has proven his value as an NFL quarterback beyond a shadow of a doubt. Can he do it when it matters the utmost? Here's uh, here's Fred Warner, who's going to have to deal with uh, Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense, talking about the Eagles. The addition of, of some of their playmakers, I mean, I guess most noticeably is A.J. Brown, um, all-pro receiver, and uh, the... the um, I guess the evolution of all the other guys that have been on their team, as in Jalen Hurts, um, Miles Sanders, Devontae Smith, all those guys that they that they use, Dallas Goddard. You know, I go down the list. All of them have gotten better um, this season, so that's equal to a more complete offense. Their all line is all even better this season. You know, for the last, I don't know, three months, I think we've all really liked the 49ers. And we're getting to the point here this week where we're going to have to make picks on these games. I guess we don't technically have to do it today, but we're going to have to do it tomorrow, right? I don't know if I can pick against the 49ers, but I, I think Philadelphia is going to win the game. I honestly, I mean, it, it, Philadelphia has, when you, get, when you get two teams that are this good, mm-hmm. for me it always comes down to how many different ways could this team win the game, right? And it just, it feels like Philadelphia could win a lower scoring game if they had to. They got a good defense. They got one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. They might have the best pass rush in the NFL. Number one's in sacks per attempt. So if it's a high scoring game, I do think San Francisco could hang with them because you do have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and you've got Kyle Shanahan who knows how to use these guys. But it just feels like Philadelphia could win either way. And I, I tell you, this is what I feel about this game. It's going to come down to the final two minutes. And I don't think you could ask for anything more in a conference championship game. It should come down to the final two minutes. This should be a close game all the way through, don't you think? Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. What really separates the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, from every other team that is left is their offensive line. They are yeah. that good. Their offensive line, of course, centered by Jason Kelsey, um, the the best center for my money, at least, in the National Football League at this point. Are we going to get a Kelsey-Kelsey Super Bowl? Jason Kelsey, yeah. I think, you know, it's not going to be that, of course. Um, you know, I it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, you think it's going to be San Francisco? I do. Okay, I think yeah. San Francisco is going to win, but um, we'll see. But Jason Kelsey in that offensive line is truly the difference with the Philadelphia Eagles. It, it sets them apart from every other team that is in this league or in this playoff right now. So for me, I expect uh, the Eagles to show. I expect this to be a great game. I think it's going to be. I think both these games are going to be fantastic. But in the end, I do. I can't bet against the 49ers in that roster. Yeah, I just, I, I don't like San Francisco in general, but the way they have constructed that team, and then you throw in the Brock Purdy element to it, it's it's hard it is hard to root against them right now because they are doing it, I don't want to say the right way, but it just feels like they have built a complete team that can do a bunch of different things, yeah. right? I mean, you have a receiver in Debo Samuel who's almost a running back. You have Christian McCaffrey who's a running back who's almost a receiver. Yeah. And then you've got supplemental pieces. It's not like when McCaffrey was in Carolina, he was the only guy and he was just hurt all the time. So you've got him, but you could supplement him with Eli Mitchell. And if Eli Mitchell ever uh, runs out of bounds again, he might not be playing <laughs> for Kyle Shanahan. He didn't play much after that on uh, on Sunday. But you've got that. You've got Brandon Ayuk. You've got all these different ways to supplement things on offense, but you are built to win on defense. Philadelphia, I feel like, is the way the Cardinals were trying to build things for the last four years. 
San Francisco is the way I hope they build things going forward. I hope the Cardinals build a team that is built to win with defense and whatever they give you on offense, not that it's gravy, but it's like if the offense is going, you're going to win because the defense isn't going to give up more than 17 points most weeks. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting you bring up the Arizona Cardinals because all their talent on the offensive side of the ball, it reminds me of Philadelphia, the Eagles, and their talent. Yeah, you can sit here and yeah. poo-poo that all you want, but it's the truth. Well, the they, running, they were trying to run the same still, offense. That's I mean, absolutely right. Yeah. D-Hop is still an Arizona Cardinal. He is. I know we all expect him to be traded, but... Well, we'll, not everybody. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But the talent offensively with Kyler Murray, of course, James Conner, and you've got uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You've got that kind of talent with Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz. They've got the talent talent that is there but you've heard me talk about this you need your offensive line to be good enough to allow your talent to do what your talent does you you don't have to have the best offensive line in the league but you certainly don't want the worst offensive line because now all of a sudden when you've got a bad offensive line of course that means your talent isn't probably going to get to show what it is that they got just how talented they are because there's going to be breakdowns with your offensive line. When you think of the Philadelphia Eagles, at least me, and my my older brother Craig, who's a butt gut himself, a guy that is the radio analyst for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's seen the Philadelphia Eagles play a lot, loves their offensive line, and Max does as well. The best offensive line in the National Football League. Imagine when you've got Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You've got that kind of talent playing behind a special offensive line. Now it changes everything. Don't you feel like, though, that this is, in a way, it, not not that this is going to just decide everything one game, it's going to decide everything for these two teams, but just the, the, the philosophy of... You have, you're strong on offense. Like the Eagles to me look like what the Cardinals were trying to do. We've got, we got all this offensive talent. Let's lean into it, right? They leaned into it this past offseason. They certainly didn't lean into the defense. They were like, okay, we're going to put everything we can around Kyler Murray. Every resource they dedicated last offseason was to putting pieces around Kyler Murray. To me, that is the Philadelphia Eagles plan. And it was working for the Cardinals two years ago. Where I want them to go now is more of the San Francisco plan of, okay, we got all this talent on offense because San Francisco has talent on offense. We got all this talent on offense. Let's build up the defense instead. The talent on offense will be good enough yeah. to be able to get by, should be able to, to thrive some weeks, but our defense is going to be so good that we're going to lower what the other team's offense can do. I'm intrigued by that. Like That's the direction I hope the Cardinals go. So that's why I love this matchup so much, because to me, it's what the Cardinals were trying to do versus with what the Cardinals should be trying to do now. Yeah, but um, going back to the Eagles game and the NFC Championship game, this is going to be awesome because of the front seven. You've heard me talk about the 49ers front seven often. Now, all of a sudden, that offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles against that front seven. Oh, man. The blood sport reigns. Does it not? We're going to see some physicality. It, it is going to be a dogfight on the offensive line of scrimmage between that front seven and the offensive line for, this, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Think about it. Miles Sanders. 13, almost 1,300 yards rushing for Miles Sanders. Averaged almost five yards a carry for the Eagles. Scored nine touchdowns. This is, this is a guy that has been hyper productive for them. 
cannot wait to see this matchup. Will the Eagles be able to run the ball against that lockdown, shutdown front seven? I'll just throw this stat out there again. These four teams are combined 39-4 and four since Halloween, and three of the four losses are Philadelphia's. Like, if you think about that, of the four teams left, Philadelphia is actually the, the least hot team going into this weekend. That was because Look, of the end of the season. Yeah. Looked pretty good, though, against yeah, the, uh, the Giants last yeah. week. All right, we come back. Back to basketball. What are the Suns looking for in a Jay Crowder deal? We might actually be getting a hint. We'll discuss that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.